Good morning, everybody. Welcome to worship. We're so glad that you are here. You know, no matter what's going on in the world, we are a people of joy. Not necessarily happiness. Even in times when we're not very happy, we have joy, joy in the Lord. Will you stand and let's sing this together? Joy of the Lord. Good morning and welcome to First Baptist Church. We're glad to have you here to worship with us this morning. If you're a guest with us, you'll see one of these little white uh, guest registration cards there in the pew rack in front of you. And if you'll take just a moment to fill that out, have you, you'll have a chance later to uh, take it up to our welcome desk to a pastor or you can drop it there in the offering boxes there on the back wall. But it's just a chance for us to get to know you. You can indicate on here uh, how we can be praying for you. You can indicate on here to receive information about our church. We'd love for you to know about what's going on in the life of our church. This morning we have the privilege of having a guest speaker, Steve Pearson from the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. He'll be coming in just a couple of moments. But Steve, I found out this morning, is a native of Coffee County, born and raised here. 
Um, he's been in, in ministry for 43 years, has been serving with the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board for the last 17 of, the, of those years. And um, uh, he works with harvest fields. So he helps to oversee the over 3,300 churches that we have here uh, in the state of Tennessee and, and uh, just their spiritual health, discipleship, evangelism. He's going to tell us more about uh, their work with the churches across the state. But he'll uh, also be out there at the welcome desk afterwards, and you'll have a chance uh, to meet him out there if you'd like to. Let me pray for us, and then we'll continue to worship. Father in heaven, we thank you for today. And as we uh, gather here today, Lord, we just pray that you would use your Holy Spirit just to speak through Steve, that we'd be encouraged, that we'd be challenged, we'd grow in our faith. Father, that we'd follow more closely after you. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the opportunity just to be here to worship you now. And Lord, we pray that our, our worship is, is done in spirit and truth right here this morning. Lord, it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You stand with us and let's sing together. to understand what God has willed what God has planned I only know at his right hand stands one who is my savior I take him at his word And in my heart I find in you 
as uh, as the band and everybody goes down, I just want to uh, I just want to, while they're getting set up here, I just wanted to go back and think about that again. I don't know about you, but when I'm in when I'm down and depressed and the rain in my life is there, it's so hard to sing, isn't it? It's so hard to praise. But let's just I just want to declare that. Sing that with me. I'm gonna sing my way out of the valley. Are you doing that? I'm gonna praise. I'm sorry, let's try it again. I'm gonna sing my way out of the valley. I'm gonna shout my way up to the mountain. I'm gonna hold the truth of your promise. I'm gonna praise. I'm gonna praise. Declare it. Oh, I'm gonna push through till every light crumbles. I'm gonna dance in the midst of the rain. I'm gonna rest in the arms of the Father. And I'm gonna praise. I'm gonna praise your name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Just praising your way out of the out of those depths of de- depths of despair. I gotta say, I got distracted. Steve, come on, because I was singing and I heard this wonderful harmony coming in my ears, and I was like, "Where's that come from?" It was Steve. <laughs> I'm like, I like, and I was like, "Whoa, that, what was the, who's singing?" That's man, that's great. You got a great. You, oh, you're off your game, Todd. Oh, man, you got a great voice, man. <laughs> Just never met a pastor who could sing. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> Me and Jimmy Swaggart, I guess, right? <laughs> Man, I feel like I'm at home. I'm getting insulted right here on the stage. <laughs> it is good to be home. I have missed you guys. Uh, somebody was supposed to say, we miss you too. I'm just, this is a spectator sport, okay? I've been with the convention 17, almost 17 years, and um, uh my wife, Glenda, and I have been married 40 years. We have two children. Our daughter, Lauren, lives in Nashville. And our son, Bailey, and his wife, Jessie, and our two granddaughters live in Lexington, South Carolina, so five hours away from us. So uh, we have two granddaughters. Adeline is eight, and Maggie is six. A uh, real funny story. When uh, Adeline was two, we were up in the upstate of of South Carolina at a park and uh, so her mom was going around the room there in the living room and pointing to each of us and Adeline was given our name and so she pointed to uh, my daughter Lauren and she said who's that she said Lolo she pointed to my wife Glenda and she said who's that she said Gigi and then she pointed to me and said who's that she thought for a second. She said, nobody. <laughs> so I looked at Glenda. You know, whatever the first grandchild calls you, that's your name, right? And so I said, I've got my grandpa name. I'm nobody. Until the next day, we're at the swing set. Glenda's right behind me, and Adeline's in the swing, and I'm pushing Adeline and just loving on her. And I lean down in a very loving way. I look at her, and I say, Adeline. Nobody loves you. <laughs> to, which, <laughs> to which Glenda said, no, no, that's not your grandpa name. And so we tried to get her to call me uh, Peepaw for Pearson Paw, and it didn't turn out to be Peepaw. It turned out to be Poopaw. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then the youngest, Maggie, she couldn't get a handle on Poo-paw, so she would just say, hold her hands up to me and say, poo-poo, hold me. <laughs> and so what are you going to do? I mean, if your granddaughter looks up at you with those eyes and says, poo-poo, hold me, what are you going to do? You're going to hold her, right? It's just a joy to be with y'all. Yes, I was born in Coffee County. Uh, Dr. Young delivered all of us Pearson kids. And uh, in fact, let me tell you a funny story, and then I'm going to get to preaching, Okay. <laughs> I did Bonnaroo a few years ago, and on my birthday, Dr. Young was the van driver that took us out to the campus out there in Bonnaroo, and I looked at Dr. Young, and I said, Dr. Young, where were you 56 years ago on this day? He said, I have no clue. 
I said, I know exactly where you were because you were delivering me on that day 56 years ago or 54 years ago. And so, uh, and he said, well, I didn't know that. He said, I'm one of those piercing kids. And then he let up and he said, you're one of the five? I said, yes, sir. In fact, when I was born, Dr. Young looked at my dad, Ellis, and my mom, Gail, and said, I'll see you next year. I was born June the 12th. My sister was born June the 29th. And so, and then my baby brother, Roger, was born a year and a half later. So five kids in six years. You do the math. I can't, but uh, you do the math. It's just a joy to, to be with y'all this morning. My grandparents were part of this church. They, uh, they lived on Coffee County Road, uh, the Country Club Road. Uh, they're the near the, I guess it's the Coffee County Golf Course. So um, it's just a joy to be with y'all today. I want to bring a message to the church. You know, I I don't think persecution is here yet, but I believe if you're going to be a Bible believing Christian, if you're going to be a Bible centered church, a gospel centered church, I believe persecution's coming, and we need to be ready. So today I'm just going to bring us a message encouraging all of us that we are part of the bride of Christ. And so if you have your Bible, would you turn to Psalms chapter 91? Psalms chapter 91. There's seven things in this text that I want to point out that God promises to us, that he promises that he will deliver to us. And, uh, and so I want you to, to look at this. In Psalms chapter 91, we're going to begin in verse 14. And when you're there, would you say word? If you're there in the scripture, would you say word? Whether it's on your phone or your tablet or you got a good old copy of, a hard copy of the word of God, if you have that, would you stand in honor of God's word? I'm going to begin reading in verse 14, and then we're going to go to the end of the chapter, verse 16. Psalms chapter 91, beginning in verse 14, it says, Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. And I will set him on high, because he has known me by my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. And I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him. And then the last two statements, verse 16. And with a long life, I will satisfy him, and I will show him my salvation. Seven things that I believe that God promises to the bride. So this message today is for all of those who believe in Jesus Christ. In fact, verse 9 of where we've just read, I'm going to let you sit down in just a second. He says, because, verse 9 says, Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. And so I'm excited today to bring a message entitled, The Church on Mission. Let's pray together. Father, again, we thank you for your love for us. We're amazed by that. Just marvel at the fact that you love us. Lord, I pray that today that as we understand these seven promises, that, Father, you'll give us boldness as we step onto that campus this week. That you'll give us boldness as we step into the workplace or we step into that community group or whatever it is that we're doing this week. Father, I pray that you'll just give us that boldness knowing that we've been set apart. We give you praise for all of that. In Jesus' name, amen. This message today is for the church. And so who's the church? I'm looking at it, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're the church. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're the church. You're the church. Well, I want to begin in verse 14. I want to start with there. He says there, because he has set his love upon me. Again, we're talking about the church. We're talking about those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, because he has set his love upon me, he goes on to say, therefore I will deliver you. I love this Hebrew word. The Hebrew word for deliver is the Hebrew word paulot. It literally means to be delivered or to be rescued. Or the image is literally of someone 
who is held in captivity, they're in prison, they're in jail, and someone comes and breaks open the bar doors of the, of the jail, and they carry them away to victory. And that's the first thing, promise that God gives to us, is if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you will have victory. I don't know about you, but I was in prison. I was in a prison called sin and self and the world. I was going my own way. And then King Jesus came down into that cell, and he delivered me. He brought me out of that captivity. The image is even more beautiful because it's the image of somebody taking you out of captivity, literally picking you up on their shoulder and carrying you to victory and delivering you. John Madden, who was the coach of the Oakland Raiders, he's a little guy like me. He describes the greatest day of his life. He said, when we won the Super Bowl, he said, my players picked me up on their shoulders and they carried me across the field in victory. Folks, can I tell you, we have something up on John Madden because King Jesus came down into that prison cell of sin and self and he delivered you and he carried you away to victory. So the first promise I want you to understand is that you have victory because of all that Jesus Christ has done. But it doesn't stop there. Look what he says as he continues on in verse 14. He says, therefore I will deliver him. Listen to this. And I will set him on high because he has known me by my name. The Hebrew word to set is the Hebrew word sheath. And it has two images. One image is of a soldier who has a sword, and to run in battle, he has to place that sword into the sheath, and then he ties that sheath onto his belt so that he can run in battle. That's one definition, but I like the other definition even more. Because the other definition of the word Hebrew word sheath is the idea of somebody taking something that they treasure, something that's of great worth, and they place it in a prominent place. They set it, as it says here, they set it in a prominent place, a place of influence, a place of importance. If I was to go to your house, let's say you have a fireplace, what do you have above the fireplace typically? You have a mantle, thank you. This is a spectator sport, okay? Y'all got to Listen, we'll be here all day if y'all don't help me, all righty? So on the mantle, what do you have on the mantle? If I go to your living room and you have the mantle, what do you have on the mantle? You have pictures of those people that you treasure. Those pictures. Listen, that's the image that he's giving us. We are that precious treasure that Jesus Christ has delivered, and now he has placed us in a place of influence. Folks, listen, it is not a mistake that you live where you live. Student, it is not a mistake that you go to school where you go. Sir, it is not a mistake that you go to the business that you go to or you go to the restaurants that you go to. God has specifically placed you in a place of influence for your glory, no, but for all of his glory. And why did he do that? It says why he did that. It says I did that because why? Because he has known me by my name. In the Hebrew culture, a name meant everything. They would name their children based on what they thought they were going to be. The prayer of Jabez, Jabez, the word for Jabez means bore in pain. I bore him in pain. So can you imagine naming your child, he's a pain? That's exactly what Jabez means. But the, even a better story is the story of Hosea and Gomer. God asked his prophet Hosea, he said, I want you to go and marry a prostitute. And I want you to join with a prostitute. Here's what I'm in. Here's what I'm displaying. I'm displaying the unfaithfulness of my people and the faithfulness of God. God is the symbol of Hosea. He's the prophet. And Gomer, the, the prostitute, is the unfaithfulness of God's people. And so you see their unfaithfulness in the names of their children. Let's say you're going down the mall and you see Hosea. You hadn't seen Hosea in years. And he's coming down the, the mall and he has three kids. You didn't even know he had kids. And you went up to him and said, Hosea, what are your kids' names? He would tell you, this is my oldest. 
His name is, I will punish. Here's the second. Her name is, listen to this. Her name means not loved. And then the baby, his name is, listen to this. His name means not mine. That's the unfaithfulness. What Hosea was displaying was the unfaithfulness of God's people. What I'm simply saying is, God, in the Hebrew culture, gave the, they allowed them to have names for their kids, and they were displaying, because you know me by my name. He says, because you know me by my name, Elohim, Yahweh, because you know me by my name, I will place you in a place of influence. We've got to go. We've got to move quickly. Uh, look what it says in verse 15. He says there, he says, um, verse 15, he says, You shall call upon me and I will answer you. The Hebrew word for answer is the Hebrew word all in all. So I was preaching this message over in Bradley County near Cleveland. And a guy came up to me after the service and he said, I didn't know my buddy knew Hebrew. I said, what in the world are you talking about? He said, yeah, my buddy and I were talking about him going fishing. He was going fishing on Saturday morning. This was Friday night. I said, you can't go fishing tomorrow. It's going to rain all day tomorrow. To which he responded, oh, no. <laughs> so that's southern Hebrew if you want to. But the word literally means it's the image of a king giving access to the court, giving access to those who are his subjects, those who are worshiping him. It's, it's the image of somebody of importance giving access to their court. So how do we have that? We have that. Look what it says. Go over to Psalms chapter 100. I want you to see this. Verse 4, how do we have access to the king? How do we have access, not just to the king, but listen to me, to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. How do we have access? Well, it says here in Psalms chapter 100 and verse 4, what does it say? It says to what? Enter into his gates with what? Thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. So how do we enter into his presence. We enter into His presence with our worship. I've been in ministry 43 years, and I tell you, I've got to be—I've been disappointed in the church because of worship wars. And Todd, you—you you know nothing about that. But we used to have battles over what kind of music we were going to do and things like that. Can I give you the definition of biblical worship? Biblical worship is we have. The praise band, they are the prompters. I didn't come up with this. Soren Kierkegaard came up with this. He said, biblical worship is the praise band, the choir. They are the prompters. Then who are the performers? I'm looking at them. You guys are the performers, but you're performing for an audience of one had a member come to me after the service and he said, Brother Steve, I didn't like the worship. Now, I'm usually a pretty gentle guy, but something got all over me when he said that. And I looked right at him and I said, well, good, it wasn't for you. <laughs> I wasn't being hateful, Todd. I was being biblical. Worship, listen to me, worship is not for you. It's for Him. And we get access. We gain access to the Father because of our worship. It gets even better. I, got, I wish I could stay here forever, but we got we to get going. He says there in verse 15, he shall, call upon, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. Listen to this. And I will be with him in trouble. The word for trouble is the Hebrew word sorrow. It means a rival. If you're a believer today, I can tell you you have at least one enemy. You have at least one enemy, and his name is Satan. He does not like you, does not like what you do, does not like the faith that you follow after God. So you have a rival. But God says here, I will 
deliver you. It's the same English word, but it's a different Hebrew word. The image, the Hebrew word is the Hebrew word chalot. It literally is the image of something that has been diseased. And you literally go in and you strip away the things that have destroyed this plant or this tree. You're stripping away those things that will hinder them. And that's exactly what God is saying. He says, you may be in trouble, but I want you to know that every day of your life, you could step out into victory and you will be delivered. You will have that place with God. You will be delivered. Why? Because I'm a part of the bride of Christ. I'm a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he goes on. We're almost done. Will y'all give me about seven more minutes? This means yes, this means no. Will you give me? He says, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him. Listen to this next phrase, this next word. And I will honor him. The word honor is the Hebrew word kavod. And it means weight. That's something that I know a lot about. (laughs) 11 years ago, I weighed 322 pounds. I've been on every diet that there is known to man. I've done the South Beach diet. I've done the North Beach diet. I've done Weight Watchers so many times. The last time I did Weight Watchers, the gal was not even looking at me. She's behind this desk, and she says, step on the scale. So I stepped on the scale. She's still not looking at me. She's asking me all these questions. She said, finally, she said, not looking up, she said, how tall are you? I said, I'm seven foot two. She goes like this. <laughs> You're not seven foot. I said, no, I figured I'd have less weight to lose if I was, so I, t- I told a lie. I've done every diet that there is. I've done the 17-day diet. Uh, funny story. Um, I had lost about 10 pounds. It was day 14. I had lost about 10 pounds. And and my wife, Glenda, says, now the next 17 days. I said, whoa, 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 back up. What what do you mean the next 17 days? She said, Steve, you're crazy. You didn't believe you'd lose 80 pounds in 17 days, did you? I said, well, a guy can hope. (laughs) But this is not what it's talking about. It's not talking about weight. it, It does say heavy or heavy laden. Or heavy burden. But here's the image. Are y'all listening? Say we're listening. Here's what he's talking about when he says the weight. He's talking about the weight. He's talking about the weight of the presence of God. Can I tell you, you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you never go anywhere without the weight and the very presence of God. He says, kavod, my presence You're going to the doctor's appointment this week. You're not going by yourself. You're going with the very presence of God. Young lady, you're in the car with Bubba. You're not in that car alone. Sir, you're going into this business deal. You're not going into that business deal alone. You're going with the very weight of God. He says, my presence, my weight will be with you. So he's given us his presence. He's given us his weight. He's given us his presence. And then the last two things, and then we're done. In verse 16. And he says, with a long life, I will satisfy him the hebrew word that's used for satisfy is the hebrew word shabbat it's where we get the word it's where we get the word sabbath from but the word the word shabbat means to be full it means to be full i love manchester because that's where my mama tootsie lived my mama tootsie was the greatest cook i ever met I remember going to her house and we couldn't sit at the table because she had put out so much food there was no room anywhere else except for the dining table. Can you imagine having that much food? I mean, I'm talking about 
Fresh fried chicken. Do y'all know when I, when I say fresh fried chicken? Do y'all know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm at the board where that chicken lost its life. I'm, we're talking fresh fried chicken. We're talking about mashed potatoes that have never seen a box. Big old cathead biscuits and gravy. Cream corn. Y'all are hungry now. And it's, it's not even hardly 9.30, but you guys are hungry. That's not what I'm talking about, though. I'm not talking about satisfaction from a, from a Happy Meal or from Mama Tootsie's table. Here's what, I, here's what I would tell you. God brought you into this relationship. Are you listening? Say we're listening. God brought you into this relationship so that every single day you will be Shabbat. You'll be full. Every single day, you will be Shabbat. You'll be full. And yet I preach all over our state, and I'm telling you, I, I see the eyes and folks who are not full. They're empty. But God didn't bring you into this relationship for you to be empty. He brought you into this relationship so that you would be Shabbat. You'd be full. And just when I thought it couldn't get any better, we get to this very last phrase. Are y'all ready for this? Say, we're ready. ready. Verse 16, he says, With a long life I will satisfy him, and I will show him my salvation. This is in the passive, which means it's going to be shown to those people. It's going to be shown to us. The word that's used here... uh, it's in the passive form, but here's the Hebrew word. Would you like to hear the Hebrew word when he says, and I will show them my salvation. Would you like to know the Hebrew word? Say, yes, Steve, we'd like to know the Hebrew word. It's the Hebrew word. Are you ready? It's the Hebrew word, Yeshua. And I will show them Yeshua. Do you know who that is? Yeshua HaMessiah, Jesus, the Messiah. And I will show them Jesus. I about had a fit when I read this Hebrew word and read the understanding. But folks, I, I came unglued when I found out that not only is this in the passive tense, but this is in the feminine form. I will show them by showing off my bride. So who's the bride? I'm looking at her. I will show them my salvation by showing off my bride. So here's the invitation today. I'm inviting everybody to be the bride of Christ. And here's what I mean by that. I want you to pray for your neighbors. I want you to do an act of kindness towards your neighbors. And as the opportunity affords, I want you to share Jesus with your neighbor. I want you to be the bride of Christ. Glenda and I have been married 40 years, and if you were to look at Glenda and look back at me and look at Glenda and look back at me, uh, I've had it said two or three times, somebody will come up to me and say, Wow, you outpunted your coverage, didn't you? I don't know exactly what that means, Todd, but I think what that means is, wow, wow, she's a whole lot prettier than you deserve. And I would say amen and hallelujah to that. I'm looking at the bride. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the bride. You're the bride. Yes, I know he's 280 pounds, but he's the bride, amen? We're the bride of Christ. And he says, and I will show them my salvation by showing off my bride. Would you bow your heads with me as Todd and the band comes? Here's the invitation this morning, very quick, very simple. Here's the invitation. I'm inviting you to be a part of the bride of Christ, to be the bride of Christ. I'm inviting you to be the bride of Christ. And here's what that means. You're going to pray for your neighbor. You're going to show an act of kindness towards your neighbor. You're going to share with them.
You're going to share with them what it means to be a Christ follower. You're going to show off the salvation that the Bible talks about you displaying. You're going to show the love of Christ because of your life. You're going to show them your salvation. You're going to live them, live before them as a Christ-centered person, somebody who loves Him, loves the gospel, loves Jesus. If today you're willing to say, I'm going to be the bride of Christ, I'm going to show my neighbors salvation. I'm going to show my neighbors His salvation. I'm going to show my neighbors His gospel. I'm going to show my neighbors His salvation. If that's you today and that's your story, your, your commitment today is I'm going to show off the bride of Christ. I'm going to show this world, my neighbors, I'm going to show them what Jesus really looks like. If that's you today, I want you to stand right where you are. Would you stand? I'm going to show them Jesus. I'm going to show my neighbors. I'm going to show my co-workers. Just stand to your feet. Would you do that? Just stand to your feet. If you're going to show them Jesus, now here's the next step. If you're physically able, I want you to come and stand here in front of the altar. I'm showing them Jesus. Come and step out from where you are. Come and just stand. And I want to have a word of prayer with you. I want to challenge you over the next several days of what you need to do and what we need to do to show Jesus. Come on. There's room for you. There's, there's room for you. I'm going to show them Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray this prayer over these who are going to show them Jesus. You're in middle school, but you're going to show them Jesus. You're a college student, but you're going to show them Jesus. You're retiring next week, but you're going to show them Jesus. Here's what that means. I want you to think of one person that's lost. God, allow me to use, use me to reach this one. God, help me to figure out what I can do to show love to them. And then what I can do to share Christ with them. I want to pray for you. Lord, these are your people. These are your servants. All of us collectively together are simply saying we are the bride of Christ. And we're going to show your salvation. We're going to display the salvation of Jesus. We're going to show off Yeshua HaMessiah, Jesus the Messiah. We're going to display what it means to be a Christ follower. Someone who loves their neighbor for the sake of sharing Jesus with them. Help us as we seek to show and to share the love of Christ. Just softly to yourself, would you say this? I'm the bride of Christ. Would you say that? I'm the bride of Christ. I'm the bride of Christ. Father God, you've heard our prayers. You know our hearts. Help us to be the bride. In Jesus' name. May head back to your seats as we conclude our worship time.
Amen. You can be seated. Yeah, you can be seated. Thank you for the inspiring message in the, this time of worship. Uh, we're glad that you're here. Uh, thank you for being with us. I want to uh, have a moment of just thank you and celebration of our Connection Group leaders. Um, we have folks that lead Connection Groups uh, all on Sunday mornings, and that involves them preparing lessons and uh, building community and uh, meeting needs and, and leadership and shepherding and all these things. And uh, this month we've been uh, trying to celebrate them and show our appreciation. And uh, leaders, we have a little brunch for you in the parlor. Come grab a little snack on your way to your uh, classes. Uh, if you're not involved in a connection group, it's always a good Sunday uh, to try to get involved in a connection group. Uh, that's where we just build on our faith as we uh, discuss things. Uh, interact with one another, we share life, uh, we get in the word, uh, we serve together, different things like that. So I want to encourage you to get involved in a connection group. You can find out about those at the Welcome Center. And then uh, this Wednesday, we've been going through a, a wonderful time on Wednesday nights uh, with our uh, seven realities of experiencing God study the past two months, and we are launching into our, our normal variety of options, and there are several new courses starting uh, this Wednesday night, so hopefully you come check those out. Uh, there's a long listing there uh, in the publications that have been around the church, so uh, check those out, and hopefully we'll see you on Wednesday night. Let's pray, and we'll be dismissed. God, we thank you that you uh, gave your life for us and for your church, and I pray that we can be the church that uh, shares your love with those around us, God. So uh, help us as we follow in obedience uh, your word and, and your example. Uh, thank you for the power that we have by the Holy Spirit uh, to um, inspire change for your glory, God. So help us to be a part of your work. Help us to have that mindset of seeing where you're at work and joining you there so we can experience you. We love you and thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name.